ان الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا وسيئات اعمالنا من يهديه الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله اما بعد So last time then we were in the fourth nullifier of Islam and the fourth nullifier of Islam is man i'taqada anna hadiya ghayr an-nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam akmal min hadyihi aw anna hukma ghayrihi ahsan min hukmihi a person who believes that guidance other than the guidance of the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam is more perfect and complete or that ruling by other than it meaning this guidance of the quran and the sunnah is better and the ruling of it is better than the ruling of the quran and the sunnah that is what we were discussing and we had come to the issue of ruling by other than what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has revealed ruling by other than what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has revealed هذه المساله فيها مواطن اجمع عليها العلماء وفيها مواطن اختلفوا فيها this particular issue of ruling by other than what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has revealed has within it certain aspects that all of the scholars are agreed upon. And it has within it other aspects that the scholars are not agreed upon. أَجْمَعُوا أَنَّ مَنْ حَكَمَ بِغَيْرِ مَا أَنزَلَ اللَّهِ مُعْتَقِدًا أَنَّ حُكْمَ غَيْرِ اللَّهِ يُسَاوِي حُكْمُ اللَّهِ أَوْ أَفْضَلْ مِنْ حُكْمِ اللَّهِ أَوْ هُوَ الصَّالِحِ لِهَذَا الزَّمَانِ بِخِلَافِ حُكْمِ اللَّهِ أَوْ أَنَّهُ يَجُوزُ الْحُكْمِ بِغَيْرِ مَا أَنزَلَ اللَّهِ أَوْ إِسْتَحَلَّ الْحُكْمَ بِغَيْرِ مَا أَنزَلَ اللَّهِ فَإِنَّهُ يَكُونُ بِذَلِكَ كَافِرًا كُفْرًا مُخْرِجًا مِنَ الْمِلَّةِ So this issue of ruling by other than what Allah has revealed. There are certain points regarding this issue that the scholars are agreed upon. They are that whomsoever rules by other than what Allah has revealed, believing that this other law of His, these other laws of His that He's ruling by, are equal to the laws of Allah. If somebody, these are scenarios now, if somebody rules by other than what Allah has revealed, believing that these other sets of laws and rules that he's using instead of the sharia, are equal to the sharia, or he believes that these other laws and rules that he's using instead are better than the laws of Allah, or 
He believes that his laws and rules that he's using are the most appropriate and they are the most suitable for that particular time. So they are more appropriate and suitable than the Sharia for that particular time. In that particular scenario, that time, that era, he believes his rules, his laws are superior or the most appropriate over and above and in contradiction to what the laws of Allah are. Or he believes that it is actually permissible to rule by other than what Allah has revealed. He believes that to be permissible anyway. Or he believes to be halal the rulings that he has made in opposition to the laws of Allah believes them to be halal what he is doing and it is in opposition to the laws of Allah but he believes them to be halal in those five scenarios those five scenarios a person ruling by other than what Allah has revealed believing that his laws are equal to the sharia anyway or believing that they are superior to the laws of Allah or believing that they are the most suitable right now over and above the law of Allah for this time, for this era. Or he believes it's permissible anyway, no deal anyway, to rule by other than what Allah has revealed. Or he believes it to be halal what he is ruling by, and it's obviously in opposition to the laws of Allah, but he believes it to be halal what he's doing, what he's ruling by. In those circumstances, the scholars are agreed that such a person is a kafir outside of the fold of Islam. If a ruler falls into those, or a person falls into those, ruling by other than what Allah has revealed, believing that his laws are equal to the laws of Allah, or that his laws are better than the laws of Allah, or more appropriate for that time than the laws of Allah, or that it's permissible anyway and there's no big deal in it, or that he declares to be halal what he's ruling by, even though it's in opposition to what the Qur'an and the Sunnah have stated, that in those types of scenarios, the scholars, they say, he is a kafir. There is another scenario, a sixth one, an individual who fabricates things, claiming that these are from the laws of Allah and then rules by them. And they are not from the laws of Allah. Fabricates laws and claims that they are from the Sharia. They are from the laws of Allah. So I'm, I'm ruling by the laws of the Quran and the Sunnah. But in reality, he has fabricated what he is doing and it is not uh, from the laws of Allah. Then that individual also, kafir. The scholars on those points are agreed that the person who does any of those types of scenarios is a kafir. They are also agreed on the other side of things. 
بغير ما أنزل الله في القضية أو في القضيتين بشهوة أو لمصلحة دنيوية بغير أن يقترن بشيء من الأمور المذكور من الاستحلال أو الافتراء أو اعتقاد أنه أفضل أنه لا يكون كافرا كفرا مخرجا من الملة وإنما كفر دون كفر Scholars are also agreed that if somebody rules by other than what Allah has revealed on an odd occasion or two, on an odd occasion or two in a particular issue or two, because of his desires or because of some worldly gain he will get from that, by allowing a certain law in his country which is in opposition to the Qur'an and the Sunnah, for example, there will be some worldly benefit for him and his people. Worldly benefit for his economy, whatever it might be. Or because of some desire, maybe he stands to profit and become more powerful or something. So, if he rules by other than what Allah has revealed in a situation, a scenario or two, some issue or two, because of some desire of what he'll gain from doing that, or because uh, of uh, some worldly benefit that he'll gain and prosper from that, not because of any of those reasonings gone by, not because he believes what he is doing is good and suitable and equal to the law of Allah anyway, not because he believes that it's better than the law of Allah, not because he believes that is the most appropriate thing now uh, in opposition to the law of Allah, not that he believes it's permissible what he's doing, none of those things. But he does it once or twice here and there because of desire, because of personal gain, because of the riches that they stand to gain from allowing a certain law. The odd couple of times if he does that because of desires like that, not because of any of those reasons, the scholars are agreed, he does not become a kafir for doing that. That would then be classed as minor kufr. That type of scenario, he's done it on an occasion or two because of desires, because of worldly gain, not because he believes it's better than the Sharia, he knows it's not. Not because he believes that it's permissible, he knows it's not. But desires and whatever else on the occasion or two, he does it. So he's committed a sin. That, where he's ruled by other than what Allah has revealed in those scenarios, the scholars are agreed, you don't declare him a kafir. Not in those scenarios. واختلفوا في من جاء بتشريع من عند نفسه وعممه على الناس فشرع تشريعا عاما بغير ما أنزل الله Then there is an issue where the scholars differ over now. So far those points are agreed upon. What do the scholars differ over? They differ over a scenario where an individual sets down, lays down a set of laws that he has constructed himself, not from the Sharia of Allah, sets down some laws that he makes binding upon the people of his land, and those laws are in opposition to the Quran and the Sunnah. They are not from the Sharia of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, but he has formed these laws and he has made them binding upon the people of his land so it has become generalized to all of his population they've got to do that what he's decided and implemented and made law and it's not from the sharia 
what's the ruling on that type of person now for what he's done? This is where the scholars are differing over. The scholars have a difference of opinion in that situation. Somebody comes along and sets down and lays down the law upon all of the people of Islam. You've got to do X, Y, and Z. And that isn't from the Sharia of Allah. That isn't from the laws of Allah. Then what's the ruling upon that type of person now? There are two scenarios within this. أَنْ يَأْتِيَ الْحَاكِمِ بِحُكُمْ بِغَيْرِ مَا أَنزَلَ اللَّهِ فَيُعَمِّمَهُ عَلَى النَّاسِ Firstly, that a person, a ruler, brings about some type of ruling, a type of ruling which is not from the rulings of what Allah has revealed and makes that binding upon all of the people. That is one scenario. The second scenario, an yashra' huwa aw yashra' huwa tashri'an min indi nafsihi sawan ammamahu alam yammimhu hadha yusammihi nusrat al-tashri' He legislates something from himself, his own legislation, not from the sharia, whether or not he makes it binding upon the people or not is not relevant in this scenario. Two scenarios. First scenario, he rules with some ruling which is not from what Allah has revealed and makes it binding on all the people. Second scenario, he makes up some legislation of his own, not in the legislation of Allah, but not necessarily making it binding upon everybody, but it's a law that is put down generally. So in these situations, ذَهَبَ جَمَاعَ مِنَ الْعُلَمَاءِ حَفِظَهُمُ اللَّهِ إِلَىٰ أَنَّ هَذَا كُفْرَ أَكْبَرَ مُخْرِجٍ مِنَ الْمِلَّةِ some of the scholars said, if you do that type of thing, you lay down a law which is not from the laws of Allah upon all of the people and make it binding upon them and it's against the Qur'an and the Sunnah, then kufr. Kafir. For making it binding upon the people like that, laws that Allah has not revealed. Other scholars, they said, that it is not major kufr if he was to do that. It is not major kufr if he was to do that. It would only become major kufr if he did that if one of those earlier five scenarios was present within it. So he makes a law which is against what's in the Sharia, makes it binding upon the people because he believes that law is equal to what's in the Sharia anyway, because he believes that law is superior to what's in the Sharia, because he believes that law is the most appropriate right now, put aside the sharia, or he believes it's permissible for him to do that, or he believes it to be halal to do that despite the Qur'an and the sunnah in opposition to it. If one of those five scenarios exist when he does it, then they say, okay, kafir. But if one of those five scenarios doesn't exist, he does it out of sin and whatever other reason, but not because of any of those, not because he thinks what he's doing is better to the laws of Allah or anything, then they say you can't declare him kafir. Kafir is the one who has that type of idea. He believes he's ruling with something better than what's in the Sharia anyway. Kafir in that case. He believes what he's got is equal to the Sharia, equal to the revelation from Allah, even equal. Kafir. He believes it's more appropriate, more suitable in that time than the law of Allah. Kafir. He may not say that it's better overall, but he says it's more appropriate in this time for my laws and we need to put the sharia aside, kafir. Those types of scenarios, the scholars say, that's what it revolves around declaring the ruler kafir. 
If those types of things don't exist, it's desires, it's some worldly gain, it's for some other uh, political gain, economical gain, whatever the ruler may be thinking, nothing to do with those types of affairs, then you can't really declare him, you cannot declare him to be kafir in that case. Um... وَاخْتَلَفُوا فِيمَا إِذَا تَرَكَ الشَّرِيعَ وَبَدَّلَهَا بِإِحْكَامٍ وَقَوَانِينٍ وَضَعِيَّةٍ Then also there's the issue of what if Muslim country, Muslim ruler just doesn't use the sharia at all and puts down man-made laws as the constitution instead. No sharia at all. In these other scenarios we're talking about, they got sharia going on. But then he's ruling with other rules and other things in opposition to the Sharia, etc. as well. In a scenario now where a Muslim ruler, a Muslim country just abandon the Sharia and they go with like Western types, man-made laws. Man-made laws and they abandon the Sharia. Some of the scholars say in that kind of situation, it's differed about. Some of them say if you abandon the Sharia and all of your constitution is just man-made laws, that's kufr again. Major kufr. If you're going to replace the Sharia with man-made laws altogether. But some of them said, no, it is not unless he makes that replacement with the man-made laws with one of those earlier five scenarios in place. It revolves around those five. He believes his man-made laws are better or equal, etc., etc. If he believes any of those, then okay, major kufr. If not... He's doing this, putting these man-made laws down because of some other personal gain or growth in his economy or whatever he believes, worldly benefits, not because of any of those things, not because he, he believes this is better. He knows the Sharia should be done, etc. So he's a sinner for doing it, and he knows it. So in that case, they say you can't declare him kafir. It's all about those points. Does he believe it to be better than the Sharia of Allah? Does he believe it to be even equal to the Sharia of Allah? Does he believe it to be permissible? Does he believe it to be more appropriate? Those types of things. If a ruler rules by other than what Allah has revealed, and none of those five scenarios exist, or six, then the scholars say you can't really declare that to be a kafir. Some of them have differed over certain issues. They say you still can. But many of them say it all revolves around those points. Then, there is a famous narration which is often quoted regarding this issue of the rulers and what they rule by. And that is the narration, مَا لَمْ تَرَوْ كُفْرًا بَوَاحًا عِنْدَكُمْ فِيهِ مِنَ اللَّهِ بُرْهَانًا That famous part of the narration where it says that you cannot declare them to be kuffar unless you see from them clear kufr that you have evidence from Allah upon. You can't declare rulers and others to be kuffar unless you see from them clear kufr, kufran bawahan. Indakum min Allah, burhan. You have evidence from Allah in the Quran and the Sunnah that what He's doing is kufr. If you have clear proof, then okay. But otherwise, no. So the hadith indicates a few points. Point number one, it indicates. That if a ruler is going to be declared as a kafir, it's going to have to be something which is established and known with certainty about him. Established and known with certainty that he's doing something and ruling by something and believing in something which is kufr. 
it has to be established with certainty. Secondly, that it must be established and known with certainty amongst the people as a whole. Not every single person, but it must be something known to the people on a general level. It can't just be that an ex-employee of the ruler comes and he makes an announcement that I, you know, secretly I used to work with him and I know he does this and I know he believes this and he believes that about the laws that he's made. He believes this better than what Allah, etc., etc. One person comes along, starts making these statements. That's not enough. You can't just have one or two people coming along and saying the ruler this, the ruler that. You can't declare the ruler kafir just like that. It's got to be something which is known from him, something which is established from him, something which is uh, uh, widespread, something which is known to the public as a whole. Can't just be something secretive, somebody comes along and says he does this, he does that, and you declare the ruler kafir, that can't work. So the hadith indicates until you see clear kufr, meaning that the masses, the people publicly, generally recognize this from that ruler, not just some secret information that comes. Also, that the actual affair which is noted from the ruler is actually something which is kufr. And it's not just a major sin. There's no point like the takfiris these days. They say the ruler of Saudi Arabia, we got a, a paper, paper, newspaper a picture from 19 something something where the former king was shaking hands with the foreign secretary of some other country and she was a woman. Shaking hands with a woman, permissible or not? Impermissible. Is it kufr that takes you out of Islam? Or is it a sin? Sin. They use that and they say, look, shaking hands with a woman, etc. Kafir, kafir. What you see from the ruler has to actually be kufr before you can start talking about kufr. That is not a, a, a proof of kufr. Shaking hands with another woman that isn't mahram for you, you're not mahram to her, it's a sin, it doesn't make you kafir. So whatever you see from the ruler, if you're going to go into this issue, it's got to be something which is actually kufr, not even a major sin. The ruler, he uh, drinks alcohol. It has been noted from the people, publicly he's been seen drinking alcohol. Still, drinking alcohol doesn't make you a kafir, makes you a sinner, major sin. But it doesn't make you kafir. So, the point here is, with the rulers, it's not about sins. We all have sins. Everybody has sins. Rulers included, they're not sahaba. Everybody has sins. That doesn't make a person kafir. So you can't start picking out sins of a ruler. The ruler does this sin and it's noted he does that sin. Uh, and the ruler, he, uh, he does X, Y, and Z, which is against the sunnah. They are sins. They don't make a person kafir. So that can't be used. It's got to be something which is kufr. And you've got to have absolute proof. You've got to have proof that what he is doing, that action is an action of kufr with proof from the Qur'an and the sunnah that it's kufr. All of this is highlighting to us that it's not something simple just to start declaring people as kuffar. It's not an easy thing just to declare people as kuffar. That ruler has done this, he's done that kafir. That ruler this, that kafir. That is the way of the takfiris. Here when you look at all of these types of rulings and all of these types of principles, it becomes clear that there's a lot of things to take into consideration. And that's why it's the scholars and the people of knowledge who will make those rulings, not the common people on the streets. It is not the common people who will start declaring rulers and others to be kuffar. 
It is the scholars with knowledge and understanding of all of these points and principles that can weigh up and look into the various situations and determine whether somebody is a kafir or not. And it's happened in the past. There are certain rulers who the scholars declared as kuffar. So for example, Gaddafi uh, passed away now, but there were scholars who declared him to be kafir. Because some of these points, he did fall into them. He did fall into some of those points that we've been talking about. And he was genuinely ruling by other than what Allah has revealed and believing certain things to be superior, etc. There were issues with him that were from these points and the scholars declared him kafir, some of them. Saddam Hussein, there were scholars who declared him to be kafir because of his aqidah and beliefs and about how he was ruling and certain points he was ruling with were more about nationalism and uh, the Arab nationalism rather than Islam. So there were a few points about him and some scholars declared him kafir. Even though at the end of his life, before he was hung, then it's mentioned that he was uh, regularly holding a copy of the Qur'an and that he was doing those things. And so the scholars, they said, in that case, if those news are true that at the end of his life he was uh, with the Qur'an or reading the Qur'an, etc., then we don't know what the end of his life, I mean, those final days, we don't know what happened. So the scholars, they say, we should just leave it then and leave the ruling on him that he's a kafir, just stay silent. Whatever his affair is, whatever his accountability is going to be, it's going to be with Allah now. So we should not, uh, some of the scholars said, there's no need to say that he's a kafir now, because at the end of his life, it is noted he was with the Qur'an, holding the Qur'an, reading, etc. So they said, we don't know, there's some doubt now that maybe he did repent at the end, who knows. So they said, just stay silent on him, his accountability will be with Allah. But the point is, before that, before that, when he was alive and he was ruling, the scholars did declare him kafir. And some of them declared uh, Gaddafi kafir. And others, Bashar Assad, his aqidah, let alone anything else, his aqidah makes him kafir. So there are instances where this occurs. But you can't just, like common people on the street, start declaring everybody kafir. Now everybody knows some of the, the countries where the the elders come from Pakistan and these places and those places. And everything, what everybody talks about, corruption going on and this going on and that going on. And they abuse the rulers, all of the people. Every time all you hear is evil speech against the rulers. But that isn't suitable. It isn't suitable. Those rulers are not kuffar as such. You're not declaring them as kuffar. They may be sinners, there may be corruption, there may be a lot of wrong things happening. But that's why the Salaf, they used to say, it's better for you instead of abusing and, and backbiting the rulers, all of the millions of people backbiting their rulers, better if all of those millions of people made dua for him. Maybe Allah will accept the dua, make him pious, and then you'll have a good country. Instead of saying, he's this and he's that and he's this, he goes, next one comes, he's this, he's this, he's that. You're never going to be happy. You're not going to get Abu Bakr as-Siddiq to come and be the ruler of your country. You're never going to get Abu Bakr as-Siddiq to come and be the ruler of your country. So, if you've got a ruler, he's Muslim, it's better you make dua for him, ask Allah to rectify him. Imagine now, in some of these countries, population of 10 million, 20 million, 50 million, 70, 80, 90, 100 million people. If all of them were making dua for the ruler, 
and Allah accepts your dua and makes him pious, then that will be good for all of your country and all of your people. And that's what the Salaf they used to say. Making dua for the ruler, that is from the sunnah. Not making dua against the ruler. And that's why in the narration it mentions, يُوَلَّا عَلَيْكُمْ كَمَا تَكُونُ The ruler that is decreed upon you will be of the level that you are. If you, the people, the subjects in that country are all sinners, and the majority are away from their religion, away from praying, away from the mosques, away from the correct aqidah, then don't expect somebody like Abu Bakr as-Siddiq is going to be put as your ruler. You people are all corrupt like this yourself with your religion and your aqidah, then your ruler is going to end up the same as you. That's who's going to be decreed for you. If you're going around doing tawaf in the graves and calling upon the dead, and you've abandoned the mosques and no prayer, nothing, then don't expect a good ruler. You're going to end up with a ruler who is the same as what you people are yourself. That's in the narration. So it's better that the people, they understand the reality of these things. And instead of allowing emotions to overcome you, which is what it is most of the time, emotions of the people, but there's corruption and there's poverty and the ruler's taking all the money and this is happening and that's happening. Well, that is happening. If it is happening, then it is partially due to your own actions. You look at the people in those countries, you look at the people themselves, are they strong Sunni people, Ahlul Sunnah wal Jama'ah, mosques filled with prayers and are there people like that? Or are there people going to the graveyards and in tawaf and wearing taweez and all types of things? That's what they are in reality. So if that's your condition, you yourself, the community, have abandoned the religion and they've gone far away from the religion, then you cannot expect the most pious ruler to come and rule over you. You yourselves are so weak and abandon the religion, your ruler is going to come and do the types of things that you are doing as well. So it's important to note, that in this point of ruling by other than what Allah has revealed, um, that this is one of the nullifiers of Islam, but many of the scholars have said it is only considered as a nullifier from the nullifiers of Islam if it has one of those points with it. That the ruler is ruling by other than what Allah has revealed because he believes his laws are equal to the Sharia, kufr. Or he believes they are superior to the Sharia, kufr. Or he believes they are more appropriate for this time than the Sharia even, kufr. Or he believes that it's permissible for him to do that. Or he believes that his laws, even though they are in opposition to the Qur'an, are halal what he's doing. That's halal. These types of beliefs, then they are what lead to the major kufr. Otherwise, a ruler doing it out of desire, out of money he's going to get if he passes a law and allows certain things to happen, political, economic growth for his country, desires and those types of things, power, that doesn't come into those points. So the scholars, they say, you can't declare a ruler to be kafir if he allows laws and passes things because of these desires and sins of his and desire for power and to strengthen his position and whatever else it may be. That isn't grounds for kufr. Grounds for kufr are those other points there. So now if you see a ruler ruling by other than what Allah has revealed, it's impossible for you to sit there and say he's a kafir. You have not investigated the issue and you do not know where the reality lies in terms of his aqidah. Does he believe what he's doing is superior to the laws of Allah? Does he believe that it is equal to the laws of Allah? You cannot determine those things. 
So you can't just start declaring people as kuffar. The scholars will look into that, investigate particular people or rulers, etc. And they will understand how to implement these laws and principles until it can be established whether somebody is to be declared kafir or not. So the takfiris and the khawarij, they have made a great mistake. The takfiris and the khawarij and their likes, where they claim that there is no Muslim country on the face of the earth. That is their belief. They say there is no Muslim country on the face of the earth. None of the countries are Muslim countries. They're all kufr. They're all dar kufr. All of them are lands of kufr. Mecca, Medina, the land of kufr. It cannot be claimed as the land of Islam, they say. And that is from their extreme, extreme exaggeration. So then we move on after that to nullifier number five. Man abagada shay'an mimma ja'a bihi ar-rasool sallallahu alayhi wa sallam walaw amila bihi kafara ijma'an. Somebody who detests, dislikes, hates anything that the Messenger ﷺ came with. Meaning anything from that revelation. A person who hates or dislikes or detests any part of the revelation that the Prophet ﷺ came with. And he, uh, even if he acts upon that, then that person has committed kufr by agreement. And the evidence is, ذَلِكَ بِأَنَّهُمْ كَارِهُوا مَا أَنزَلَ اللَّهِ فَأَحْبَطَ أَعْمَالَهُمْ That is because they hated what Allah has revealed, so Allah destroyed their actions. Meaning all their actions are gone, they are upon kufr. So the one who hates or dislikes or detests anything from the sharia, then that is an act of kufr. Aslu al-deen yaqumu ala mahabbati rasul wa ala ta'zimihi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. This whole religion, it is built upon love for the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and recognizing the greatness of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, the best of creation. That doesn't mean of course that we say he has any rububiyya or any actions or uh, characteristics of lordship. But he is the best of creation. So we love the Prophet ﷺ and we respect and understand his nobility and honor. And that is in effect actually our love for Allah. Because it is Allah who tells us to have that uh, love for the Prophet ﷺ and to obey him. So by doing that, that is a sign of our love for Allah. And a sign of us showing uh, uh, and recognizing the greatness of Allah. فَمَنْ أَبْغَضَ شَيْئًا مِمَّا جَاءَ بِهِ الرَّسُولِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ فَقَدْ أَبْطَلَ أَصْلَ الْإِيمَانِ So if anybody hates anything in that revelation that the messenger has come with, then he has nullified that basis of iman. That basis of loving Allah, loving the messenger, loving that revelation that has come desiring to implement it and practice it for the uh, uh, for the uh, uh, reward from Allah, sincerely for the sake of Allah. Anybody who hates that sharia or any aspect of that sharia, then that is uh, nullifying and removing that basis of iman. 
In the famous hadith of Anas, قال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم لا يؤمن أحدكم حتى أكون أحب إليه من والده وولده والناس أجمعين None of you is a true believer until I am more beloved to him than his own father, his own son and all of the other people. That the messenger is the most beloved. And look at this narration now. Narration of Abdullah ibn Hisham. قال كنا مع النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم He said we were with the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم one time. وهو آخذ بيد عمر بن الخطاب. And the Prophet وسلم had grabbed hold. He was holding the hand of Umar ibn al-Khattab. فَقَالَ لَهُ عُمَرْ So Umar ibn al-Khattab said to the Prophet ﷺ, Ya Rasulullah, O Messenger of Allah, لَأَنْتَ أَحَبُّ إِلَيَّ مِنْ كُلِّ شَيْءٍ إِلَّا مِنْ نَفْسِي That you, O Messenger of Allah, you are more beloved to me than everything other than myself, your own self. You are more beloved to me than everything other than my own self. فَقَالَ النَّبِيُّ صلى الله عليه وسلم So the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم replied to him, لَا No وَالَّذِي نَفْسِي بِيَدِهِ By the one whom my soul is in his hand, by Allah, حَتَّى أَكُونَ أَحَبَّ إِلَيْكَ مِنْ نَفْسِكَ That you will not be true upon Iman until I... I'm more beloved to you than even your own self. فَقَالَ لَهُ عُمَرْ So then Umar ibn al-Khattab said to him, فَإِنَّهُ الْآنُ وَاللَّهِ لَأَنْتَ أَحَبُّ إِلَيَّ مِنْ نَفْسِ He said in that case, now by Allah you are more beloved to me than my own self to then. You are more beloved to me than my own self. فَقَالَ النَّبِيُّ صَلَى اللَّهِ وَسَلَّمَ الْآنَ يَا عُمَرَ He said, now, O Umar. Meaning, that is the correct aqidah. That is the, the, the basis to be upon. فَلَا يَتَحَقَّقَ What does it mean that? What does it mean that the messenger is more beloved to you than everything, including your own self? That you will give precedence and priority to what the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, even if it is about yourself. So you yourself, now you want to relax. You want yourself to relax and be at ease and comfortable and warm. But the Prophet sallallahu has mentioned to you in the revelation, you need to get up and pray for So now you don't give priority to yourself and your own needs. You give priority to the Prophet sallallahu and the revelation that came. He is more beloved to you, that revelation is more beloved to you than your own self and your own relaxation and whatever. So, the Prophet ﷺ is more beloved than your own self. فَلَا يَتَحَقَّقْ إِيمَانُ أَحَدِنَا إِلَّا بِمَحَبَّةِ الرَّسُولِ صلى الله عليه وسلم مَحَبَّةَ تَزِيدُ عَلَى مَحَبَّتِنَا لِأَنفُسِنَا وَلِوَالِدَيْنَا وَأَوْلَادِنَا وَلِمَالِنَا وَلِأَهْلِنَا So our iman will not be actualized and perfected. Until we love the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam more than we love ourselves, even our parents, our children, our wealth, our families.
Same way, if your parents told you to do something which was against the sunnah, then you would not listen to your parents in that. You would listen to what the Prophet ﷺ said and do the sunnah. So the Prophet ﷺ is more beloved to you than your own parents. That's the type of meaning of it. فَمَا بَالُكَ بِمَنْ يُبْغَضْ شَيْئًا جَاءَ بِهِ الرَّسُولَ سَلَّمْ لَا شَكَّ أَنَّهُ بِهَذَا نَاقِضْ لِأَصْلِ الْإِيمَانِ وَمُبْطِلٌ لَهُ So that is how you're supposed to be with your love for the messenger. So now this nullifier of Islam is saying, a person who instead of having love for the messenger, has hatred with for the revelation and aspects of the revelation the messenger came with. Hates that revelation, hates that sharia, hates having to do that hates aspects of the revelation, then in that case, you are nullifying the very basis of your love for the messenger. How can you hate what he told you to do if you love the messenger? That means you don't love the messenger. وَمَنْ إِنْ عَقَدَ قَلْبُهُ عَلَى بُغْضِ شَيْءٍ مِمَّا جَاءَ بِهِ الرَّسُولَ سَلَمْ فَقَدْ نَاقَضَ هَذَا الْأَصْلِ وَلَوْ لَمْ يَعْمِلْ بِهِ If you hate something that the messenger came with, even if you don't act upon it, you don't go and do something in opposition or anything, but just the very fact in your heart you have hatred for something. You detest a certain law, sharia, ruling. You detest it really in your heart. Even if you don't do anything about it, you detest it and hate it in your heart. That is enough for kufr. Whether you go and do anything physically or not, the very hatred in your heart against the sharia, against the aspects of the revelation, then that is kufr in of itself. لِأَنَّ الْكُفْرِ يَكُونُ بِالْقَوْلِ وَيَكُونُ بِالْعَمَلِ وَبِالْاعْتِقَادِ وَبِالشَّكِّ كَمَا أَنَّ الْإِيمَانِ يَكُونُ بِالْلِسَانِ وَيَكُونُ بِالْاعْتِقَادِ وَيَكُونُ بِالْعَمَلِ الْجَوَارِحِ In the Quran Allah said فَلَا وَرَبِّكَ لَا يُؤْمِنُونَ حَتَّى يُحَكِّمُوكَ فِيمَا شَجَرَ بَيْنَهُمْ ثُمَّ لَا يَجِدُوا فِي أَنفُسِهِمْ حَرَجًا مِمَّا قَضَيْتْ وَيُسَلِّمُوا تَسْلِيمًا That by your Lord they cannot be believers complete believers until they make you the judge in what they have differed over, disputed over. And then they do not find any resistance in of themselves upon what you rule. And they submit to your rulings completely. So Allah is telling us, the way to be proper believers is, we return our affairs to the religion, to the revelation, to the sharia, to the Prophet what he rules in our affairs, our affairs of dispute or whatever it might be, we absolutely accept that without any resentment in our hearts. The revelation, the Quran, Sunnah says you have to do X, Y, and Z in this scenario. You fully accept that with no resentment and you submit to it. That is the way of the believer. Somebody who comes along and says, okay, so that's what you're supposed to do, but he doesn't want to. He hates that it has to be like that. Hates that ruling, hates that judgment, and that is where the issue is here, and that's what's being mentioned about this nullifier. Similarly, وَمَا كَانَ لِمُؤْمِنٍ وَلَا مُؤْمِنًا And it is not allowed for a believer, a male or a female, إِذَا قَضَى اللَّهُ وَرَسُولُهُ أَمْرًا That when Allah and the Messenger, they declare something to be a ruling as it is, أَنْ يَكُونَ لَهُمُ الْخِيَرَةُ مِنْ أَمْرِهِمْ then it is not for the believers to have any choice in that. Allah and the Messenger have given the revelation, it is there, it is prescribed, the ruling, then it's not for us to make any choice and decisions and manipulate that. What has come in the religion, then that is how you do it. But whomsoever disobeys and doesn't do it, 
whoever disobeys uh, Allah and the Messenger, then that person will certainly go astray in a great, great misguidance and far astray. Clear and great misguidance. فالمسلم لا بد أن يرضى ولا يسخط ولا يبغض شيئا مما جاء به الرسول صلى الله عليه وسلم ويسلم له عليه الصلاة والسلام. So a believer must have absolute contentment with the Sharia, with what the Prophet ﷺ has come with, and submit to that completely and not have anything in his heart against any aspects of the Sharia. أَمَّا الْحَرَجْ الَّذِي لَيْسَ مِنْ هَذَا الْقَبِيلِ فَهُوَ لَيْسَ بِكُفْرِ مِثْلْ مَا جَاءَ فِي قِصَّةِ الْحُدَيْبِيَّةِ مِنْ حَدِيثِ عُرْوَى بْنَ زُبَيْرِ عَنَ الْمِصْوَرِ بْنِ مَخْرَمَةِ ومروان يصدق كل واحد منهما حديث صاحبه وفيه أنه صلى الله عليه وسلم لما فرغ من قضية الكتاب قال رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم لأصحابه قوموا فانحروا ثم احلقوا قال فوالله ما قام منهم رجل حتى قال ذلك ثلاث مرات فلما لم يقم منهم أحد دخل على أم سلمة فذكر لها ما لقي من الناس فقالت أم سلمة يا نبي الله أتحب ذلك أخرج ثم لا ثم لا تكلم أحدا منهم كلمة حتى تنحر بدنك وتدعو حالقك فيحلقك فخرج فلم يكلم أحدا منهم حتى فعل ذلك نحر بدنه ودعا حالقه فحلقه فلما رأوا ذلك قاموا فنحروا وجعل بعضهم يحلق بعضا حتى كاد بعضهم يقتل بعضا غما فتوقفهم إن فتوقفهم إنما كان من محبتهم للرسول صلى الله عليه وسلم ورغبتهم أن يفعلوا مثل ما يفعل فما كان المبدأ عندهم بغض أو كره كره ما جاء به الرسول صلى الله عليه وسلم إنما كان المبدأ الحرص على ما على مزيد اتباع لما جاء به الرسول صلى الله عليه وسلم لأنهم يرون أن ما اختاره الله لرسوله هو الأكمل وهو الأفضل وأنه صلى الله عليه وسلم قد يأمرهم بما هو أيسر فالقضية التي صدرت منهم ليست من الحرج الذي هو كفر وبغض إنما قضية أخرى أخرى من جانب آخر بمنظور آخر منهم فالحرج من هذا القبيل ليس كفر مخرج من الملة Here what the Sheikh is saying is If somebody has some what you may call resistance to implementing a certain aspect of the Sharia But not because they have hatred towards that aspect of the Sharia or they have any dislike to it, or any uh, re- uh, uh, hesitancy in applying it, not because of those reasons that we've been talking about so far. Those types of reasons would be kufr. That would be the nullifier of Islam. But if you don't do something, not because of those reasons, but because of some other reason, for example, there is a hadith where it happened, that the Prophet Wasallam, after the issue of Hudaybiyyah, he told the uh, uh, companions to arise and to slaughter and to shave. But nobody got up. Nobody got up after the Prophet ﷺ told them to do that. No one got up. The Prophet ﷺ told them three times, but nobody got up. So then the Prophet ﷺ came to Umm Salama and he mentioned to her what happened. So she said to him, O Prophet of Allah, أَتُحِبُّ ذَلِكَ أُخْرُجْ ثُمَّ لَا تُكَلِّمْ أَحَدًا Go out, don't speak to anyone. Slaughter, you're slaughtering. Then do your shaving. So the Prophet ﷺ went out, did the slaughtering and did the shaving, and then everybody else got up and did it too. So why had they not done it initially? Not because of their hatred to implement that ruling, 
But because they wanted to wait to see how the messenger does it, and in which order and how, so they could follow him exactly how he does it. They wanted to do their action with more precision, so they didn't get up initially, they wanted him to go first. So they could follow exactly and precisely how he does it. So that kind of example there isn't an example of them not doing it because they had some resentment towards it. No, they didn't do it there because they wanted to see how the messenger exactly would do it and that they could do it in that exact way. So it was their love and their desire to follow the messenger precisely that made them not do it first. They waited, they didn't do anything until the messenger did it himself. So this is the nullifier that discusses a person having resentment to any part of the sharia, having resentment to any aspect of the laws and the rulings. So that is something everybody has to be very careful of and understand. The sharia, it has a lot of rulings in it. There are things that require effort. You have to remember, worship requires effort. There is no such thing as relaxation. Worship requires effort. It requires patience. So sometimes the shaitan may come and whisper to you that this, it's so difficult and if only you didn't have to do it and if only this uh, uh, obligation wasn't an obligation, you could relax and you could do this and do that and go out. The shaitan comes and whispers those types of things, but you should never allow that to occur and for any type of resentment to build up in your heart that I wish I didn't have to do this worship. That should not be the way of any believer. So the believer understands the laws of Allah, that everything Allah has prescribed upon us, every worship we've been told to do, it is for our benefit. And it is for our good. And we are the ones who take benefit from it. We are the ones who gain from it. So all of that is with wisdom what Allah has prescribed upon us. And so an individual should never have any thoughts of wishing not to have to do this worship or that worship or develop any type of resentment that if only he didn't have to do it. Never think in that way, never allow the shaitan to cause you to think in that way. Rather you recognize all of this is from wisdom of Allah, these worships, and they are for your benefit, not for the benefit of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Salam. So that is the fifth nullifier, having resentment towards the sharia and towards any aspect of it. The sixth one, which will begin the next time then, is a person who mocks, makes a joke about the religion. People who make jokes about the religion, mock the religion, belittle the religion, then that is a nullifier of Islam. And that is again something very important. Because these days you have all types of Ikhwanis, Al-Maghrib Institute and all of these people, their da'wah, inverted commas, is based upon entertainment. It's based upon jokes and comedy and entertainment. So they do certain things that could well be falling into the boundaries of this discussion. Like for example, they made one video. As an example, they made a video and the point of the video was to show when somebody becomes a Muslim, don't overpressure them. Give them time and slowly teach them bit by bit. Don't try and teach them everything in one go. They're going to become Shaykh al-Islam in one night. So their point was in the video, give somebody who's become Muslim new a bit of time. How did they put this point across? You could have done it how we've just done it there, it takes 10 seconds. Just take it easy with somebody who's become Muslim new, you explain that's it, done. How did they do it in this video? So they show this person who becomes Muslim, he's a new Muslim. 
So at the beginning of the video, everybody's hugging him. It's, it's acted out. It's a play. It's a drama. They record it, make a video, pretending actors. He comes, oh, mashallah, jazakallah khair, you become Muslim, Allahu Akbar, blah, blah, blah. Few people coming and hugging him, he's become Muslim. And then this person says to him, brother, brother, my new brother in Islam, I got a book for you. You've become Muslim, I got a book for you. So he gives him a book. Next person comes, hugs and everything, mashallah, you became Muslim. Brother, this is a really good book, read this one. So now he's got two books in his hand. Another guy comes here, oh, mashallah, brother, gives him another book. So then there's a ton of books. He's got maybe 10, 10 books now, he's holding his... And this is to show, look, he's been overburdened. You've overburdened him. You should have given him time. That's the point they want to make. So he's got all these books in his hand now. And then he drops all the books. So you got these books with uh, name of Allah in them, ayat of the Quran in them. Books, proper Islamic books. You can see them in the video. Kitab al-Tawheed. Kitab al-Tawheed. Other books in his hand, proper Islamic books. And he drops them all on the floor. He says, oh, you've overburdened me. You overburdened me. That's the point they want to make. They've done it. By dropping ayat of the Qur'an, name of Allah, the, all these Islamic books on the floor as part of this acting on purpose. That type of thing is completely haram. That type of thing they've learned from their ikhwani ways. It is never da'wah to drop a book with the ayat of the Qur'an on purpose on the floor to make a point about Islam and to make a point of da'wah. So anyway, we're going to discuss this next time, which is a person who mocks the religion, makes jokes about the religion or any parts of the religion. So that's what we'll discuss next time, which won't be next week. It'll be in two weeks' time now. Uh, what's that, 29th or something? Or 31st even? 31st. Thirty-first of December. So next week is the conference in Birmingham. Next week is the conference in Birmingham. Everyone should try and go. It's going to be on Sunday the 24th, Monday the 25th, and Tuesday the 26th. The days that everybody will typically have as their holidays. So uh, try and make that conference in Birmingham 24th, 25th, 26th, or whatever days you have free from those three days. And there's going to be various lectures, and the theme of that conference is the legacy of the Salaf. So it's going to talk about those early generations, about the Sahaba, about the students of the Sahaba, how they used to be in those generations, how they used to live their lives, some biographies of them, some uh, uh, to get some inspiration from the lives of the Salaf. That's what the theme of the conference is going to be. So that's next week there. So we'll come back here in a fortnight, inshallah, December 31st, will be the next class, inshallah. Ta'ala.